Welcome back to another episode of Sales with Aslan, your weekly therapy session for those who sell for a living and those who help those who sell for a living. For a living. That's what they do. And uh, hello, everyone. It's been a while. This is Mark Lamson, not Scott Cassidy, not Philip Scott Cassidy, but Mark Lamson. And that's been a little while because, uh, well, our new host, Tom Stanfield, has been busy, busier than usual busy writing a book. Tom, I would have to say, by the way, that this book is your best book ever. <laughs> Can I say that? I, you know what, Mark? I don't want to sound egotistical, but I, I agree with you. I do think this is my best hard copy book ever. That's fair. That's fair. Also yeah. available on Kindle for $17.99 on Amazon. But mm -hmm. uh, yeah, Tom has just released Unreceptive. It discusses the five challenges that we have today. Uh, in selling. And uh, we're going to talk about some of those things. And uh, well, maybe you can listen for 24 minutes, or maybe you can spend $24.99, or you can do both. Um, and sincerely, we hope that we share some things that are really addressing the real problem in selling today, which is not about prospecting or pipeline management or closing ratios. It's that customers are more and more unreceptive than ever, and it's growing at a rapid pace. And we'll get into that. But first, but first, but first, we can't not spell sales without ales. <laughs> and, uh, and we can't do a podcast without ales. No, well, I just can't. Well, I mean, it's after five. It's almost five o'clock. And so uh, I'm yeah. just going to pop oh. a... Uh, Pop a, you struggling uh, with that? You struggling? Yeah, with I am a little struggling. I had wrist surgery, yeah. as you remember, and it's getting stronger. Oh, that's but, uh, right. I forgot about the. I forgot so, about your. Yeah, sleep. I am struggling with the flip top. So now, do you feel bad? You're actually making fun of someone. With I a, feel bad that I'm making fun of somebody. Excuse me for a minute. That is, that is has a physical handicap. But uh, I am a little jealous of your of beer. I, I'm caught. I'm caught. Um, uh, what, what do they say? I'm caught empty handed, empty beer. I don't have any yeah, beer. Yeah. Well, you've been writing and we talked about this, I'm but that's fine. I'll drink for both of us. I'm having a good old fashioned. I'm drinking a sparkling water. Nice. I'm drinking a whaler's rise from my mm -hmm. favorite, uh, whaler's brewery in Rhode Island. Mm. So, uh, so Tom, we have a book unreceptive, uh, and, uh, just personally as, as your friend and colleague, knowing what you've been doing congratulations i'm proud of you that, that thing is freaking cool it's cool it's it's Thank number you. it's the number 32 new release on amazon in sales books uh it's just cool it's neat you're an author you got a linkedin page like you're cool you're a celebrity <laughs> yeah well i'm sure i'm far from being I, a celebrity but i am i am uh, uh and i know you're kidding about that but I, I i i am actually proud of myself for for getting this done because uh, they, which is funny because my high school, you know, they have a section for books written by alumni mm -hmm. in the library. And the fact that this book is in, is in the library when I went to high school, I'm sure there are teachers that are going, what, what is it be like becoming president to them? I mean, they just like, because I hated English and I hated writing. Um, and did so, you, uh, did you go and look, be honest, did you go and look and see if it had checked out yet and see if it oh, been stamped? Yeah, Do they still sure have like a stamp is, thing in the back of the book? I that the no, I have card? not looked, I have not looked, but okay. yeah. So the fact that I pushed through, um, and spent the 10 years, literally 10 years researching and writing this book, I am, uh, I am proud of, it. I have to stop and say, okay, I did, I got that done. 
and uh, and I'm excited about. It. And then one of the yeah. reasons it took a while because I I was very passionate about this topic and I wanted to get it right. Well, I think you did. Uh, it's called Unreceptive: A Better Way to Sell, Lead, and Influence. So let's talk about it a little bit. Uh, why did you write the book? Can we just start with that? I mean, we're going to get to for the sellers. We're going to get to what's in it and mm -hmm. and you know what are we learning. But a little context. I mean, so what? I mean, Tom, yeah, why did a million I... books written on sales? What's because... so what? I, you know, there's a part of selling that, that, that those of us in sales and you, you know, I've been in sales since I really, even before I graduated college, cause I had to, I just sell on my, on my, you know, the breaks in college to just kind of, cause I got married in college, as you know. And so I was selling phone books and going door to door. I was doing all kinds of things just to support my family. Cause I had two kids before I graduated college. And, um, and so I've just been in sales all my life. And there's just this aspect of selling that we, we, that a lot of us hate, you know, this, the customer that rejects us, that doesn't want to listen to us, who avoids us. I remember my first sales job, I'd walk in, I sold a real estate agent, and I would walk in the building and they would pick up the phone and act like they were on the phone. <laughs> I mean, you can just deal like, I'm, I'm on the phone. You can't talk to me because I was the loan officer. So I would want to go around and meet them and, and, you know, talk about my, my services and hopefully they would refer me and they would just, so that whole aspect of just people avoiding us or feeling like we're manipulating them or we have commission breath and all that stuff. And as that's become actually increased, as you said, in your introduction is that the customer is just becoming just rapidly more unreceptive with the wave of information, the tsunami of information that we're, that, that that's out there, the availability of information has made the customer just like, I don't need to talk to sales reps. I'd rather talk to a bot or do a Google search Plus they're overwhelmed. Like they're just forget that, forget that they have more information available. They're overwhelmed by the amount of information. So they're just like, I don't want to talk to sales reps, um, which interesting, a survey that came out by McKinsey recently that said the number of the percentage of customers who want to talk to a seller when evaluating a solution has declined 120% over the last couple of years. So, so that, that, you know, the world that we're facing as sellers is becoming more and more difficult. And I just wanted to, I said, this doesn't have to be this way. We figured out a way to eliminate resistance and make sales more enjoyable, more meaningful and more successful. And I, and since we figured that out, I wanted to share it. Yeah. And, well, and not only does it work at, at work, it works at home and which I'm even more passionate about. Well, if you sold Claire, in college to marry you, then I think you're qualified as a damn good salesperson. That's a really good point. If what anybody's ever up anybody to a woman in white gloves or something, yeah, go ahead. If anybody ever met Claire and met me and they're like, okay, uh, what's going on here? Then they know that, you know, I'm good at selling, especially yeah, I, the unreceptive. Well, so, I mean, uh, I agree. I think, I think uh, you're right. Sell, selling has an interesting stigma to it. I think the, mm -hmm. the population in large, oh, you're a seller. And they think of, you know, used car salespeople. Yeah. And it's a shame they get such a bad rap. My father-in-law, I'm going to give a shout out to my, my father-in-law, was a used car salesman his entire life. 100% yeah. commissioned salesperson his entire mm -hmm. life. Uh, wife, two kids through college. He's, 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 uh, he's gone, unfortunately, but his wife is still around, has money, like all 100% commission sales. That's tough, you know? Yeah. Uh, I don't think if everything that he did would be represented in this book in terms of the <laughs> other-centered approach. <laughs> he maybe he didn't follow her, but he, but he does understand. But he hustled. He hustled. Yeah, he hustled. Uh, so sellers get a bad rap. 
And I think people know that. And as sellers, sometimes we're like, ah, we feel bad. And, and, and you know, we don't. So, but it, it's, I will say as a seller, it, people, you help people. I mean, we help yeah. people sort through the fray, sort through all the information, all the options. Uh, you know, we, whatever, whatever you do for a living as a seller, you do every day. These people do it once in a blue moon, maybe. And so right. we can help them. It's just hard to, to sift through that. So I, I think it's, it's good. It's, it's, so I totally get the reason for it at, at a high level, just what our taste buds, what's different. I mean, you know, I'm sitting here looking at my shelf. I love my Dale Carnegie book, how to win mm-hmm. friends and influence people written in 1937. Neil Rackham came out and talked about spin selling. It's revolutionary travel with salespeople all around the world. It's about questions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or Hyman talked about solution selling, challenger said it's about challenge it's not just saying what the customer needs and giving it to them it's challenging them all those mm-hmm. things are all true what's different yeah what's different about that yeah that's such a great question i talk constantly talk about the the way I, I, I position it in the book is the traditional selling does not work when you're dealing with the emotionally unreceptive customer so let that sink in. When traditional selling doesn't work. So all those approaches that you just mentioned are ways to kind of adopt and em- embrace the traditional approach and maybe make it better. And what I mean by the traditional approach is you think you're going to court, right? I'm going to go to court. I'm going to make my case. As we talk about business case, you know, use case, we're going to make our case. And so it's about getting the meeting with the people and then taking them to court and saying, let me show you how I can benefit you and the impact of my solution. I'm going to make my case. And therefore, when I make my case, you will then make a logical decision to go. That's true. I therefore will give you my money because the return on the investment is X. And the problem is when people are emotionally closed, which a high percentage of customers are, uh, the more you try to make your case, the more you try to sell them, the more closed they become. So, so if you sell, you lose, if you don't sell, you lose. Mm. And so what's happening is the customer reps have become, there's the number of people that they can work with to use the spend selling is becoming smaller and smaller and smaller. So what they need to do and what they need to learn and what the book's about is very counterintuitive, simple, but very counterintuitive approach to not selling, but creating receptivity. And the analogy that the book is organized around is the soil and the seed. If I'm a farmer and I want to have a vibrant crop and I want to, you know, whether I'm an orange farmer or corn, whatever, there's two elements to that. There's the soil, which is the fertile soil. And then there's the quality of the seed. Where does the farmer start? The farmer starts with the soil, right? Because if the soil's not fertile, the seed doesn't matter. In sales, we are one dimensional. We're like seed equals message. I have a message and I want to craft the best message. And I want to deliver that. So whether I'm, you know, I'm, positioning the meeting or I'm, or I'm selling or whatever. It's all about the seed, but really what we need to do and what the book is about is how do we create the fertile? How do we get people to say to us, tell me what I should do? How do I take that 80%, 90% of the people who don't want to hear from us who go, tell me what I should do to go from avoiding a sales call to inviting you in and saying, tell me what I should do. Now, there's also a way to deliver your message that that enhances receptivity because you can lose them when you start talking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Like when you go and say, okay, great. I want to now plant the seed. A lot of times we get the soil fertile and then we start to plant the seed and we lose them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so there's a way to do both. There's a way to, to create the fertile soil and there's a way to plant or, you know, deliver the message in a way that enhances receptivity. So, so I think, that's really I think what the, the, uh, the concept of the traditional 
selling yeah. and, and really what is that, uh, you know, and, and traditional selling is like, I don't know, I think of it as, you know, what we were told to do or what you think you should do in sales. Everyone's like, yeah. well, you have to ask them questions first. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so I think of traditional selling as this. Hi, Mark. I get an email and it says, <laughs> you know, I'd like to have some time on your calendar. I'm sure you're busy. And uh, mm -hmm. here's you know, what I'd my like solution to, does. I'd like to, well, no, I'd like to spend some time learning more about your goals and objectives and how we can help. If I had, mm -hmm. if I, if I took 10% of the, of the emails that I get that said, I'd like to spend 30 minutes to, yeah, mm -hmm. you want me to take 30 minutes to a stranger to just unload my strategy and how we're trying to grow. Like it just doesn't work. It's just, mm -hmm. and it just, I'm like, I don't have time for that. Go away. It's tough as a seller. I mean, right now it sucks to be a seller. Can I say that? Because you're not, you can't, you don't know how to help me mm -hmm. unless I talk to you but I don't want to talk to you unless you tell me how you can help me. And you don't know. And that's just a really tough thing, right? And so, so yeah. And, they, and because yeah. they're so jaded and emotionally closed, they want you to go first. Yeah. Even I can totally get a meeting. That. Even if you yeah. get a meeting, they're like, go for it. Show yeah. me. And then you fall yeah. for that and you go, Oh, that's not what I needed. <laughs> tell me. Yeah. Oops. Wrong guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, it's just a, it is a very, yeah, there's a whole other dimension that if, if, if sellers learn how to navigate, this actually becomes really easy. Well, yeah. so this, so this whole, this whole, I mean, when we talk about what's different, you're talking about selling, leading and influencing. I mean, those mm -hmm. seem like very different things to some extent. I mean, selling and influencing the same, like, uh, what do you mean by that? Like, why do you group those together? I mean, what is the, what are we really teaching people to do here? Well, it was, it was also the, the, the thing that, the subtitle of the book, selling, leading, getting, you know, what is better way to sell, lead and influence is we wanted to apply to multiple, multiple scenarios, because sometimes you're selling the customer on why your solution is in their best interest, right? So that's kind of selling, right? Um, leading is you may just be leading the customer in a different direction, you know, or you may lead leading others. If I'm a sales manager, I'm a frontline leader, and I want to lead I want to lead people to a different conclusion. So um, maybe I'm trying to lead them from selling one way to another way, or I'm trying to lead them into learning more about something. So that is kind of a way to broaden the purpose of the book. And then influence applies to everybody. We all have the need to influence, you know, whether you're talking to your teenagers or your spouse or friends or having a political discussion or it just influence inside the company. You have no authority over these people, but you want to influence. Sometimes you got to manage up. Like if you're a rep and you're going to manage your leaders, you have to influence them. You're not quite quote selling your, your influence. So, so that was really the, 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 the backstory behind that. And so it, if, if I think people apply what's taught in the book, Mm -hmm. around the five major sections of the book, they're going to be better at all three of those things. Yeah. Okay. Well, so, so let's get into those sections. I mean, let's, mm -hmm. let me, let me back up and, and, and kind of summarize what I've heard. Uh, you, you've been, you've been selling since before you sold Claire, some magazines in high school, or anything for a class trip or. Oh yeah, I, I definitely, I won the, I won the award for the okay. most funds raised for the key club okay. I went door to door. I mean, okay. I've been a hundred percent. I didn't say this. I've been a hundred percent commission sales my entire life. There you go. Okay. So uh, I think so. So, so uh, you're figuring these things out. The world's changing. Uh, 
I'll share another, you didn't say that share this research, but I read recently Forbes came out with an article with some research that said more sales reps are missing quota than ever. And it's getting worse. So people are missing quota. Mm -hmm. They're traditional sellers. And the more we sell traditionally, you know what those things are, right? Here's my value proposition. Here's mm -hmm. my case study. Here's the reasons you should buy from me. The more people don't want to meet. And so this different approach, this shifting our focus from selling to, to selling or our seed to our creating receptivity or our message is the, is the, the key to being successful to today is. and being better and being fulfilled and helping your customers. And Let me, you can said, I add, go ahead. I just can. want to add something because I want to, I'm thinking for our listener who's thinking, yeah, but that's not always true. And I think that's really important is that, yeah, if, if you think about every time you either go get a meeting or you're trying to influence somebody to embrace your solution, they're either open or closed. If they're open, the traditional approach works. Mm -hmm. So set that aside. We're not talking about that. If someone says, tell me what I need to do and I want to buy, you sell that kind of software and I'm looking for that kind of software and please tell me about it. Or I sell, you sell uh, imaging equipment or whatever you sell. And they're like, I want to talk to you and I'm interested in doing this. Go sell them, like right? The traditional approach. Yeah work. So if that's 10% of the time, 20% of the time, so pick somebody as we talk about this, or pick an account that you know, won't embrace a solution that you've offered, whether it's an existing account, or it's a new account. This is what we're talking about that percentage of people in your world. That's what this book because because be be clear, if someone says, sell me, I want to know, sell them, it's, it's uh, the, 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 the go take them to court and prove it to them. So let me see if I get this right. For example, an unreceptive, it's, a, it's about really whether the person is receptive or not. So for example, hypothetically, mm -hmm. uh, someone goes to their spouse and they say, <laughs> hypothetically, Tyra, I think we should get a bigger boat. And if she says, you know, I've been thinking the same thing, then we just go to the, the boats.com page and we you look just, through, we type in the numbers exactly. and we, pick, we go boat shopping, right? That's mm -hmm. easy. Mm -hmm. But if I say, not me. My friend says, hypothetically, Tyra, <laughs> hypothetically. I think I should, I need a bigger boat. Are you kidding me? That's the dumbest thing in the world. I shouldn't go to boats.com and show her the safety and why it's a better boat and all the logic. I need to, that's unfertile soil and I need to till the that soil. That makes right? her less interested in the boat. Okay, perfect. So, mm -hmm. so there's five barriers. So help me get a bigger boat and uh, or help our sellers sell <laughs> or your and friend pay, your I'm friend who's named friend. tyra i mean my friend, friend your friend whose wife's named tyra it's the same <laughs> it's he is the same it's crazy there's a lot of tyras up here in yeah, Rhode a, lot of, a lot of tyras first um, barrier yeah the first yes. barrier we have in the book is that changing their perception of you what, what do you mean by that yeah and that's that's really where we start the, the first barrier is you so so the best way to think of that i like to think about this, or I would encourage people to think about it is for you to influence somebody, what precedes that is an invitation. Until they say, what do you think I should do? Until Tyra says, why should we, and she says this sincerely, why should we buy a bigger boat? Or until someone says, I'm spending this amount of money on this. Sincerely, why should I spend 2x on your solution? Until they ask that question, whether it's verbalized, or they, they are thinking it, you're wasting your time. The number one reason that we all accept an invitation is because is from is based on who it's from. Like when you get invited somewhere, the first thing you look at is who's it from? 
And you, that's the number one reason you accept an invitation is who's it from. So why don't they accept the invitation for the youth influencers? Because they, because of how they feel about you based on it, most of the time, it's just based on your, your title, mm-hmm. your, what, what does your business card say? So they think you're going to pressure them. They think you're, that you're the hero of the story and they're not the hero of the story. They think you're going to try to manipulate them, whether they articulate this in their head or they say it or whatever. It's like, you know, it's like I walked into Best Buy the other day and I wanted to buy television. I don't know anything about televisions. I need education. I don't know. I don't know. I've done zero research. The guy who works there and lives in British television walks up to me and he says, can I help you? And I say, no, I am just looking. And everybody knows that that's what I was going to say. Why did I say that to the guy who's, whose sole purpose in life is to talk about and learn about and sell televisions is because who I think he is. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. by the way, he, he, he could be the most helpful, intelligent person on the planet, but I perception of him is the invitations coming from somebody who who's going to try to manipulate me, pressure me or whatever. So, um, that, so we've got to change. We've got to first start working on us because if we want to be, as Covey said, if we want to be a person of influence, we have to first be influential. No, I mean, I said that wrong. If we want to be influential, we have to become a person of influence. Mm-hmm. And so we talk about the first two things, the two, first two, the chapters that, we, that are in the book are related to this. Talk about the, the two main drivers, pressure and priority. And we got to determine how do we release the pressure and how do we demonstrate that they are really the hero of the story and that they're the priority. Um, and you know, it's it, it, in the surface, it's, it's kind of, okay, well, that doesn't sound too um, difficult to understand, but actually it's, 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 it's actually pretty interesting how I think we unpack that in the book and gets people some really simple tools for quickly getting, I would quote bought, you know, like where they buy you before they buy your recommendation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's uh I think that's so true that we're we're making a decision about you based on the last person I talked to with a similar title, and that's just that's yeah. just a that's just, just a tough reality. thing. But but here, here's I'll add this: I'm I'm a glass half full kind of guy, uh, and I know we're talking about unreceptive customers and selling is hard, and people are missing quota, and we're all wearing masks. Uh, but this is a incredible opportunity because I mean, I'm just going to take a page out of some of the clients that we work with, because if you get this mm-hmm. and if you, you deal with this pressure and priority, again, we're not trying to unpack the entire book. We talk about things like drop the rope and, you know, reset your compass. Um, and how do you do that? What does that really mean? It, it's different than just saying focus on the customer. Everyone agrees, focus on the customer, mm-hmm. but this is different. But when people do that, customers, notice instantly when it's it's done sincerely something is different something is different and Mm -hmm. they're leaning in and we're we're getting it's 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 incredible you're you're right it's motive is transparent i know that's in the book somewhere and it's that we need to just say what's our real focus yeah well and the thing you've talked about and i think it's good to give the the listeners just a quick like tactical that's what I think is important. It goes from theory to tactics really quickly is that we talk about it. We've been teaching this for years, as you know, is that there's a tug of war, whether it's actually happening or whether you're actually trying to pull them to your position, but there's this sort of perceived tug of war that you're trying to pull them to your position, which is why I probably didn't want to talk to the best buy guy. I'm like, I don't want to get into this tug of war with this guy. I don't want to, I'm interested. Mm-hmm. I'd really just avoid the tension. Um, 
and but when you learn to drop the rope and don't play not quote unquote play the tug of war by saying things like i'm not really sure it makes sense for you to spend more on a solution or i'm not sure my solution um is a fit or i'm not sure that blah 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 whatever however you communicate that you're you're not going to create that pressure and that you, this is a collaborative approach and giving people really specific language and tactics to use that can immediately eliminate the tension. Like that, the guy at Best Buy, here's what he said to me. He goes, listen, I'm not on commission. <laughs> he goes, and if you need me, I'm right over there. And I'm like, well, come here. <laughs> like, I, I literally said this. I didn't make this up because I want to put it in the book. Like yeah. this happened. I, come here, come here. You help me. I said, so, so talk to me about these TVs. Now, obviously, if you are in commission, we all get compensated. The, 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 that's not the point. The point is he dropped the rope. Yeah. I could tell he wasn't going to pressure me. Yeah. And we can do that whether we're in commission or not. And, and I do it all the time. And, and the thing is, this is back to what you said, Sarah, sincerely. Like I remember talking to my daughter about the guy she was dating that I wasn't too crazy about. It was like her first real boyfriend. And I said, you can date whoever you want. By the way, that's a true statement. I can't force her to yeah. not date anybody. Control mm -hmm. is just an illusion. So when I said that, though, that phrase, you can date whoever you want. My goal is I just want you to be happy. That little, those two sentences right there, you can date whoever you want. And my goal is I want you to be happy. Went from, I don't want to talk to you about Philip to, sitting on the end of our bed and having a 30 minute conversation. Uh, so it's, it's, just, it's just what's so great about this is so simple, but it, it's, yeah, but, it's very counterintuitive, but let's just be honest. You, but you don't want her to date. No. And I mean, you, you don't want her to date the guy she was dating. Mm -mm. No. So but, Why would but, you say that? Like what, why, but you're her dad, Tom, because you, what I do is I traded in, I traded control, which does not work ever when you're trying to influence and I traded control for influence. What I want her to do is to think about and embrace the truth and think about what I have to say, because that's an option and something I can guarantee will happen versus control will never happen. So I trade something that will never happen for an opportunity to influence her. And so that was so clear to me. So, cause what I want her to do is I want to put her, I want on her little, if I, if I think about it in her bathroom, I want that little sticky on her mirror in her bathroom to say, dad said, Philip might hurt me. And I want her to think about that every time she's talking to Philip mm -hmm. versus I'm going to stop you from seeing Philip. And what will she do? She'll marry Philip, which is exactly what my mom did. By the way, my grandmother told my mother, you can no longer date. His name is Tom, Tom Stanfield. So what'd you I mean, do? Uh, that's a, that's a common, that's a common uh, phrase in down in Atlanta. Do not date Tom Stanfield. I've heard that several times. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, yeah. A, that's a good point. Yeah. I've, I've seen it on billboards. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was a years ago. That was years ago, Mark. That's not current. Uh, yeah. So what did my mom do? Now it turned out this is under yeah. my point. It turned out yeah. great because my dad's an amazing guy, but, but my mom was like, well, I'm going to marry him. And so the exact opposite of what nope. should have happened is my grandmother lost influence with my mother. And there was consequences of them getting married. My mom was 17 and my dad was 19. Um, so trade control, which me will never work for influence.
And my favorite story about this is the guy in the book, Daryl, and I'm blanking on his last name, Mark. He converted, he's, he's an African-American guy and converted over 200 KKK leaders by dropping the rope and doing other things in the book that we talk about. And I talk about in the book, he's just guys made because he traded, he traded, he didn't trade control because he had no control, but he can traded um, you know, revenge for influence. Mm. And that's hard. That's deep. And that's personal. And that's emotional. Yeah. And uh, like, why don't you just, this is, this yeah. is really hard. You just said, I mean, the guy at Best Buy from, from the guy at Best Buy said, Hey, look, I'm not on commission. And if you need me up over here, that that's a, that's a drop through it. But you, you kind of, just kind of sneaked one out earlier. You said, Hey, I'm not, I'm not really sure if we can help or not, but, but X, Y, and Z, I mean, but we're not taught to do that. That's counterintuitive. We're taught mm -hmm. to call up, to send an email and say, you know, we can do X, Y, and Z. I remember this be way before I met you in Aslan and mm -hmm. I had, uh, I ran a call center. And so I had everybody call me, tell me, you know, how they were going to help me with the call center. And somebody called me and said, I guarantee I can save you 30% on your phone bill. And I'd never talked to the guy. Just mm -hmm. all says, I guarantee you can say there. I mean, we had a enormous like <laughs> phone bill, huge phone bill. This isn't like you read a like call long, there. It was like long distance and mm -hmm. you know tolls and and I said if you can guarantee me thirty percent off of my phone bill. By the way, do you know what my phone bill is? It's like no. Okay, perfect. You can guarantee me thirty percent of my phone bill. This is a real conversation. This is a real sales call a guy made to me. I said then you can come in and meet with my team. But if you can't save me 30% of my phone bill, I'm going to send you a bill for the time of every one of my team. And we're expensive. You want to come I meet? I love that. I love you that. want to meet? He said, well, I, I got to see your bill. I'm like, well, why the F did you? And I just probably did use F because I was like 28 yeah, years yeah, old. Yeah, you everything. probably did. I, I and I said, well, why would you tell me that? He's like, uh, uh, so th that's the point. We're, we're taught to do these things. And it's just mm. better to say, look, I don't know if I can save you money or not. I have to see your phone bill. But, you know, this is what we've done. So. Hard, easy to say, hard to do. What is it? Be willing to give up control to have influence. To have influence. You know, trade and trade and trade control. Trade something that you don't have for something you can get. So let's transition to the number to number mm -hmm. two, which is which is what we were talking about, the closed door. You know, he, he so so people have a perception of you, but also the doors are closed. You can't gain access yeah, to people. the second barrier, which is probably the most difficult, is 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 getting a meeting or opening a closed door. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, that, and that's the one everybody, you know, the surveys constantly come out and say the number one challenge people have is quote unquote prospecting or getting meetings, whether it's meetings and, you know, going upstream in existing accounts or, uh, you know, if you're cold calling and you're, you know, rep business development rep, <clears throat> that that's where we kind of first set the foundation of who we need to be. And then we move into, well, how do we get, how do we get a meeting? And, um, the, the, the approach we teach there in the book or unpack there, I think is super helpful and something I don't think is available, or at least I haven't seen it taught the way that we teach it. So, so any more details on that? Any more, <laughs> any, I mean, any, more any more detail? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, there, what we, what we teach or what we talk about, what I talk about in the book is, is that the reason that reps fail over 98% of the time uh, to get meetings is it kind of back to what you, you were bringing up there is how they position how they position um you know the the meeting it's not so much the email itself or the introduction it's how they position it and so we st start 
the first thing and the main thing we want to teach them is there's three elements of how do you position a meeting. And if you know those three elements of positioning, and this the positioning is really the heart of the of the message. It's the it's the, it's like uh, you know, once you're like, what's the, not the email Excel for the introduction, but the heart of the message, um, you know, why it's kind of answer the question, why meet with you? And so there's three elements. And if you understand through the three elements, you're, you're going to dramatically increase the number of meetings. And I'll just share one of them. The one of the first one, which by the way, you coined this phrase at Aslan is lead with their whiteboard. And so what intuitively do is we all talk about our solution we, 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 you know, we think about our solution all the time. You know, your organization tells you to sell the solution, your numbers based on selling solution. So what do you lead with your solution? And actually that's the least interesting thing to a yeah. unreceptive prospect is your solution because they're unreceptive. Again, if they're looking for what you offer, then saying it, well, well, they'll, they'll get their attention, but the, the num the least effective way to get somebody attention, attention is to show them a picture of you they don't care about you. The most effective way to get somebody's attention is show them a picture of them. In other words, talk about, think about picture what's going on in their office, picture their whiteboard. There are things that are written on that whiteboard. If you say something that's on that whiteboard, you will always get their attention. Another yeah. way to say that, if you show them a picture of them, they'll get it. So we unpack, that's the first of the three elements. Um, and so if you, we, we teach them how in the book, we talk about how to do that, and then we get very practical once we talk about uh, positioning the book, we talk about how to introduce yourself, um, which, believe it or not, is increases uh, engagement rates by 22 times, which it's almost like I shy away from sharing the statistics, but it really does work. And then how to write emails. And so there's a whole section that we, we, we get it real specific about if you want to learn how to prospect or improve your ability to prospect. That's what that sort of second section of the book is about. Well, this is what we were talking about earlier. There's, there's the, the, the bad news is selling's hard. People are unreceptive. The mm -hmm. good news is if you embrace that as a seller and respond to that, it's, it's, yeah, it, 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 it your, your difference, your difference factor is enormous. People see this. I mean, I, I love to refer to the book. One of my favorite books is 212 degrees. I think I've said this a couple yeah, of times, right? Yeah. Uh, now I'm, I'm, you know, I know you went to tech, but I don't think mm -hmm. you're in the engineering program. So let me explain to you the importance of yeah, 212 yeah, degrees. Two, two, 12. Is, that pie? is that pi? Is that pi? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 3.14159. Mm -hmm. Um, it's uh, 212 degrees Fahrenheit where water boils. And, and the book is based on in our, in our lives, selling and just in our work and going to the gym, anything we do, you know, a lot of us give less than 212 degrees. A lot of us give 210, 211 degrees, a lot of effort, a lot of energy, you know, to get, to get water to 211 degrees. But if you just give it a little tiny bit more energy and you keep that pot on for another second, it's 212 degrees. When, it, when something gets to two, when water boils, it creates steam and you create electricity. The world changes from 211 to 212. The point mm -hmm. is, you know, when we're sending that one next degree email, matters. one degree matters. When we're sending the next email, we're making the next introduction. We just like pulling up the thing in Salesforce and saying something to whatever and just going through the motions. Or are we spending a little extra effort to really show them the picture of them mm -hmm. to, you know, to the, the first element, leave with their whiteboard. I mean, this works. I mean, when you first taught me this, uh, I was trying to call Merrill Lynch. I'll use Merrill Lynch as an example. Years ago, I don't think those people still work there. Had a person's name, send emails, call crickets. We should meet all the things I just said that were wrong. 
I finally called somebody and said, what's going on? And I found out they had something going on. This is probably 15 years ago. It was called the red carpet program. It was an internal program mm -hmm. by this leader, this leader in the sales organization, how we treat customers and everything's lined up behind it. And it's a big strategy, how we're going to make loyal customers. And I just sent an email that mm -hmm. said, insight on the red carpet program i mean this is this is a senior vp at merrill lynch that i'd sent him over and over and over and i sent it to this guy's email address nine minutes later anita his secretary sent me an email and said kyle would like to meet with you and i mean i did i said something else i said something else i said well, i have some insight we work but it's just it's like this is what people care about is what's important to them so mm -hmm. it works it's hard to do because we like to talk about us. It's easy to talk about us, but my, I would say burn the extra one degree of effort and differentiate yourself lead with their whiteboard. Yeah. yeah and then, I love and, that. I, um, I love that example um, is the, you just reminded me of uh, a, a actually a current client now, uh, but wasn't when, when I'm going to share this example, um, their big initiative is unconditional. It's, and I thought this was the coolest word. And so if you send them anything that says something about along the lines of that initiative and unconditional and it connects you, what you do to that. Mm -hmm. But what we do is if we sell IT services, we live with IT services. Um, and so we say, this is why and, and really the simple sum of it is if you sell fire alarms, start with a fire. Yeah. It's like just, and again, it's not complicated. What, what's, what's difficult is, is knowing what's on their whiteboard. I'm sure that's what everybody's thinking. Well, how do I know what's on their whiteboard? <laughs> and so we talk about how to uncover that in the book. Mm -hmm. um, but the reality is the simple answer is if you don't know guess, Right, because you're going to be better off guessing. an educated guess. I mean, you, you, you work in this space. You've talked mm -hmm. to other people with the same mm -hmm. whiteboard. You look. You get to know that you, you get to know the profile, of the person you're talking about, or you you talk to an insider who knows so about going on their whiteboard, and so you guess or an educated guess uh, based on the profile. Um, if you um, you know work in the industry and it's not that qualified of a you know an opportunity, or you it's not you can tell it's not something you want to spend a lot of time on, or you you know, spend the time and, and, and dig, but the, here's what doesn't work. Talk about you. Mm -hmm. Yep. Agreed. Well, good. Well, look, I'm, uh, I'm sort of watching our time, Tom, mm -hmm. and uh, you may know of our demographics. A lot of people uh, tell us they listen to this when they're working out. And I know some of those people that are working out and I know mm -hmm. they don't want to work out for 38 minutes. I know we're about eight minutes, so I don't want to cause any over workouts or whatever. So, uh, I think this has been a good start and maybe put a bow on this and maybe next week we'll talk a little bit more about the, the next three barriers, discovering the unfiltered truth. I mean, really getting people, how do you get people to tell you the truth and what's going on? How do you really start to shift, change their beliefs and ultimately get them to take some kind of action? And you, and you have a really, really interesting last chapter about an other centered life that I, I'd like to unpack, but I don't, I don't want to just gloss over it right now. Plus, my beer is empty and everyone's done working out. So, uh, <laughs> but, but I, I do, I do have, I do have two questions. Can we just close with two questions? Sure. Would that be all right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's your podcast. Uh, you got really passionate about uh, soil versus seed in farming. So if you were going to be a farmer, what kind of farmer would you like to be? 
Uh, I mean, I had some ideas in my mind, but I just, but then I got nervous. It's not about me. It's about you. So Tom, uh, what type of farmer you know, the, would you the, like to the be? The story I share in the book is about this orange farmer I met in California. And um, he's from California. I didn't meet him in California. I actually met him while playing golf in, in Kauai. And the guy just happened to join me. And I'm like, and I just loved this guy. And so like third or fourth hole i'm like so what do you do and he's like i'm a farmer you're a farmer and he's the guy i said so so i said okay i'm working on this book and i said it, it, what matters more the soil or the seed and he goes the soil ain't matter if soil ain't fertile it don't matter but the the point the reason i asked say that is because i thought this idea of being he was pretty close to la so he wasn't too too far from the shore and, and he had an orange 150 acres of orange, which seems pretty, you know, like a pretty easy, I'm not sure I shouldn't say easy because what do I know about orange? But anyway, mm -hmm. so I, I thought that would be a pretty cool to, to have a farm in California and grow oranges. Mm -hmm. So that, that's kind of, I thought that was pretty cool. And the guy's playing golf in Kauai, so some was working. I'd say so. Well, that's mm -hmm. good. Um, good. Well, we know what kind of farmer you want to be. Mm -hmm. uh, question two on a serious note to, to close. Uh, look, there's a lot of things we covered and, and there's a lot of sellers. And, and as you know, it's, it's just hard. There's so many things. We covered two barriers and three tips and the three models of a position. And by the way, we're only two barriers of the five barriers and we're on page, what page are we on? 53 out of 272. So time out because, because I'm with you in high school. I wasn't, I didn't like English either. Like that just <laughs> wasn't my deal. I, I didn't like that part of the SAT. Could, could I ask you to put you on the spot to boil all this down? I'm a seller. I sell. I, I, I want to take away one thing. Like I'm, I'm so, so come back, come back next week and hear the other three barriers. Here's some pieces, uh, share some feedback. Tell us what you like. But in the meantime, what one thing should they really take away from our last 42 minutes together? If they were to, if they were to do one thing, mm. what should they focus on? Yeah. My answer to that question though you've phrased it a little bit differently and better than i've heard it asked before sometimes people will say something like what's the one thing i need to do you know I, I, my answer is always the same because it's the truth is if if somebody would embrace sincerely embrace this idea of being other centered versus self-centered and here's what you, you when people are other centered meaning they 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 really orient themselves around serving who they're working with not hitting their number you know, not selling, but actually serving their customer. And by the way, that doesn't mean you shouldn't hit your number and that shouldn't be, but they make the priority. They believe that they're going to be more successful if they put the customer first and they choose who they serve. They don't serve everybody, but they choose who they serve. But if people would make the decision to be other centered, their people trust them. They're more loyal. They have more, they more have, they, what they talk about is more relevant. Um, people, people are drawn to them. It, it just, everything changes. Their intuition works better. It's like when somebody says something, it's not quite sure what they mean. The, you pick up on what they actually mean because you, you've studied your customers. You know what's on their whiteboard. I mean, your emails are better written. You know, I mean, I've met sellers that it's like they've been in the business. How long have you been in the business for 20 years? Actually, you've been in the business one year. You just repeated it 20 times. It's like they just don't really learn much. But yeah. people that really are other-centered, you, you were just drawn to those people. I mean, you're people are attractive when they're other centered. And so, um, 
if I had to take one thing, if they adopt that, you'll say a lot of things that we talk about in the book will come naturally to you. Mm -hmm. I would say it the other way. If you're not other centered and you're using everything in the book as a manipulation tactic, you will have commission breath. Your motive will be transparent and it will fail. Well, good advice. I can't say it any better than the author of unreceptive. Um, if you don't want to wait, for part two, or uh, you just want to know what those three elements are, or you really just want to do it, dig in. If you, if you really are looking to, to find something new and different, by the way, this is a receptivity thing, right? This is, this is if everything's good and you're good with where you are and you're crushing your number, <laughs> save the money, don't buy the book and just go to a nice long vacation. But if you're in the boat where we're struggling and people aren't answering your emails or not taking your calls you get off the phone there's no real opportunity they don't respond to your proposal you have deals that just stall and stall and stall um this is in fact something new something different it's things that you haven't heard before they may seem counterintuitive um and the truth hurts so uh <laughs> it does well, and I would also add to that list, Mark, I love that. I love that um, kind of way you finished or finalized or brought all that back together. But uh, I would also say if you if you're hitting your number, and you're crushing your number and, it, it, and se selling is not a not on your whiteboard, being better at selling is not on your whiteboard. Think about it in relationship to your most important significant relationships, mm. or how does it apply to the conversations you're having about politics or um, real life issues. And that may be a place to think about the book. Now you don't have to read some of the chapters because some of the chapters are very technically mm -hmm. as related to selling, but, um, I'd say half the book applies to all aspects of influence. And that's the last chapter, which is, uh, which is really, really, really mm -hmm. interesting. Well, it's not just the last chapter, but just the part about drop the rope and take the trip and some of the other barriers that we haven't talked about, um, that help us influence. Well, good. Well, I won't ask you who you voted for because uh, I don't want to have uh, that conversation and uh, and uh, those types of influential conversations, but they are interesting uh, examples. Thank you for taking the time out of your day. Sorry you didn't have time for a beer. Thanks for writing the book and uh, we'll get back together. Uh, audience, we're committed to, to getting back to a weekly schedule here, giving you some good things to to read. So get there like us, share us, tell others, uh, reviews really help this get shared. And most importantly, just write to us, just write to us and tell you, tell us what you want to hear. This is for you. I mean, this is, this is an other centered podcast. We're on here. We are kind of talking to each other about ourselves, kind of weird, uh, but we're trying to, we're trying to, uh, it's weird, Tom, you're not weird. You're perfectly normal. No, so uh, I, I, I knew what you meant. Uh, uh, but, uh, yeah, if there's some topics that are relevant, then tell us and, and we'll be sure to cover them and help you. Yeah. We so, love uh, the comments. Yeah. The thing, cause we know what to talk about based on what you tell us. So if you, mm -hmm. if you, if you like the podcast, let us know, we'll keep doing it. If you, if you have ideas for improvement or topics, you know, comment on the podcast. Great. Well, thanks everyone. Have a great week selling and thanks for listening to another episode of sales with Aslan. Thanks, Mark. Thank you.